Yo, I, I can deal with this one in, in passing. Uh, Georgia's abortion Barbie, uh, Jen Jordan in the state Senate, uh, is upset that she didn't get invited to the announcement of the Major League Baseball All-Star event. Uh, she's over there like Tracy Flick waving her hand. Hey, me, 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 invite me, invite me. My goodness, she, she's on Twitter blasting them for the audacity of inviting the governor and the mayor of Atlanta and the Fulton County Commission and not members of the state legislature. Uh, how entitled can one be? Which um, is ridiculous. Uh, yeah, they weren't performing abortions there, so I, I guess they decided there really wasn't a, a need to, to invite the Democratic uh, members of the state legislature there to, to oversee this. I just uh, they would want them. They would want Major League Baseball to boycott anyway, to, in solidarity. Uh, just ridiculous. The other ridiculous thing is is the Abrams campaign now, and and the outside groups are saying they have nothing to hide, but they're refusing to hand over documents to the state ethics commission. Uh, you know, one of the big issues here has long been this new Georgia project, which uh, Stacey Abrams helped start. It was a group that uh, did voter registration in 2014, and many of the state Democrats thought it was essentially a con job. I mean, th- these are Democrats who have told me they thought it was uh, just a scam that uh, Abrams was taking a bunch of money and not actually delivering. And in fact, we now know uh, that a bunch of the voter registrations done by this new Georgia project were wrong. They were bad. And all those numbers of people who were denied voter registration were not real people denied voter registration. They were the rejections of the form filled out by the new voter, uh, new Georgia project. Well, the State Ethics Commission is asking for documents between the Abrams campaign and the new Georgia project, and they ain't turning them over. Hmm, I wonder why. Also, Carl Rove has an op-ed in the uh, Wall Street Journal, the headline, Stacey Abrams Won't Go Away. Subtitle, The Loser of the Georgia Governor's Race Builds a Political Career on Failure. Let me just read you the last paragraph. Ms. Abrams is attempting to build a political future on failure. It says something about her times that she'll, that our, our times, that she'll decide by September whether or not to run for president and that Democrats take her seriously. Good point. Good point. Well, we need to move to my favorite news story of the day, and that would be about me. (laughs) I got banned from Twitter today. I shouldn't say banned. It, It was a suspension from Twitter. Let me read you the tweet that got me suspended because it's relevant to one of the big stories of the day. Elizabeth Warren set to introduce the Wrecking American Prosperity Under Marxism, or Wampum Act, wherein she gives everything away for free. I got a, when I logged onto Twitter this morning, there was a posting um, that I have violated Twitter's rules specifically for hateful conduct. You may not promote violence against, threaten, or harass other people. On the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. Oh my goodness gracious. I did not promote violence against, I did not threaten, and I did not harass her uh, based on her race, her ethnicity, her national origin, her sexual orientation, her gender, her gender identity, her religious... I I didn't harass her on any of that stuff because she's not an American Indian. She's not Native American. She claimed to be. 
Uh, multiple people pointed out Twitter should have suspended me for uh, one 1,024th of the time that they had planned to, to do it so that I could match up with Elizabeth Warren. The whole reason for that tweet is her going on The View and doing this whole grab bag of giveaways from the federal government. Proposal is a two-cent wealth tax on the top one-tenth of one percent, your 50 millionth and first dollar, you got to pitch in two cents and two cents for everyone after that. And with that, we can cancel student loan debt for about 95% of the people who have it. Wow. And now, finally, but, but we can do so much more. Two cents. We can not only do that, we can also provide universal, tuition-free, technical school, two-year college, and four-year college for every one of our kids who wants to get an Plus, we can do universal child care for every baby age zero to five. Wow. Universal pre-K for every three-year-old and four-year-old in this country and raise the wages of every child care worker and preschool teacher to the level You know what's going to happen? You know what they're going to say to, to all of these wonderful plans you have? They use the S word, socialism. How do you counteract that type of an assault? You know, 43 million Americans who would see student loan debt canceled under my plan I think right there, that's where you cancel it. You cancel it by making it real. It's in this country either. This is our values. Do we think that the two cents should stay with the top one-tenth of one percent? They can't pitch in two cents on the 50 millionth and first dollar. We're not saying they're bad people. We're just saying when you do that, pitch in two cents so everybody in this country gets a chance to build something. Yes, my friends, this would be the anthem of the Soviet Union. Yep, this is this is totally. I mean, this is downright Soviet. Uh, forget socialism. We're going straight to Soviet policies. We're we're going to take the wealthy's money and allow the government to redistribute it to. Uh, to I mean, listen to all the things: universal health care, universal education, universal college. Get rid of student loans. She went on from there, though. She also wants the government to pay for everybody's abortions. Want an abortion? She wants the government to pay for it. This is nonsense. And by the way, you couldn't actually, if you were to impose this wealth tax, you actually could not raise the money she's claiming you could raise to cover all of this stuff. You know why? Because behavior is not static. People would alter their, they would reassign their wealth, they would make gifts, they would move out of the country, they would do all sorts of things. And even if they didn't, this is the key point here, that Elizabeth Warren uh, and the the geniuses who were on The View with her cheering her on will, will not point out that if you were to take 100% of the money of all the people who make $50 million a year or more, you still couldn't pay for all this stuff. There wouldn't be enough money. But you don't hear them say that. They just cheer it on, seal clapping the whole time. Er, 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 just embarrassing I, I you know i i told you people the other day there are two things that you if you remember these you will never be disappointed in life number one is people are stupid and number two is people are fickle and as long as you remember that people are stupid and fickle you will never be disappointed with humanity in your lifetime because you'll never be surprised by them and when you are surprised if you are you'll be delighted by the surprise 
But these people seal clapping Elizabeth Warren can't even do the math in their head and realize what she's saying isn't true. Now, there, there's more of Elizabeth Warren on, on The View. Let me play this clip for you as well. Otto, I have a plan for that. You bet. So we want to do a speed round with you about your policies. Okay. Two sentence max okay. about your policies. Okay. Long sentences. Yes. Uh-huh. How will you protect Roe v. Wade? Uh, we need a federal law to take every principle that's in the Supreme Court decision and just make it federal law. Let's give women all across this country that word. Okay. Bridging the wealth gap between white families and black families, reparations or not? Uh, so I support the reparations bill that's in the House to start a commission so we get to look at all of the options. <laughs> that sounds like Disney saying they're going to withdraw from Georgia. Um, I support the creation of legislation to create a commission that will form a subcommittee that will study the issue, forming another committee to decide what we might want to do and recommend to Congress something. <laughs> That's not an answer. That's not an answer. You know, the the irony of all of this stuff is that the me getting suspended from Twitter today for making the wampum tweet joke about Elizabeth Warren's ridiculous uh, grab bag of policy she wants to spread around America for free is uh, she got called out on national radio today uh, when she went on a a, a urban radio talk show about (laughs) her run. So I grew up in Oklahoma. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned about my family the same way most people learn about their family, from my mama and my daddy and my mm-hmm. aunts and my uncles, and it's what I believe. Um, but I'm not a person of color. Mm-hmm. I'm not a citizen of a tribe, and I shouldn't have done it. Um, if you had a chance to do it over, do, would you? I, I can't go back, you know, but I should not. Mm-hmm. But what I, what I can do is try to be a good partner, and that's what I do every day. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in the things we're talking about here, what I want to see us do in education Mm -hmm. is I want to see us get rid of the student loan debt and make an investment in the historically black colleges and universities. Um, I want to see us in housing hit redlining head on. I've got the first housing proposal to just smack straight into that. I want to see us in health care, address health care disparities, and particularly um, uh, maternal mortality rates. Right. For black women, mm-hmm. uh, we got serious problems. I see you talking about reparations as well. Yeah. So what, your family told you you were Native American? Yeah. Charlamagne tells me I'm Dominican, yeah, but I don't believe you him. are. How long, how, long, how long did you hold on to that? Because there was some report that said you were Native American on your Texas bar license and that you said you were Native American on some documents when you were a professor at Harvard. Yeah. Like, why'd you do that? So, <laughs> but I believe. You know, that's, like I said, it's what I learned from my family. When did you find out you, when did you find out you weren't? Well, you know, it's, it, I'm not a person of color. I'm not a citizen of a tribe. And tribal citizenship is an important distinction and not something I am. So. Were there any benefits to that? No. Boston I, I, Globe did a full investigation. Oh, whatever. It never affected. Liar. My family ever affected any job I ever got. It affected um, other people's jobs. Discount in college. No. You kind of like the original Rachel Dozoff. A little bit. Those are all white women pretending to be black. No, this is what I learned from my family. Yeah. <laughs> the original Rachel does. You know, in fairness, my grandfather told me when I was a kid that he's from he's from northern Sweden near the Arctic Circle and told me that my family were a bunch of reindeer herders. 
I always believed it until I went to Sweden and no, they were farmers. They had reindeer, some of them used to, but they weren't actually herders. They were farmers and other things. So I totally get, but come on. She used this past the point where she knew better and she got jobs and other people didn't because she used this. Harvard, I was delighted they hired her because she claimed to be Native American. They announced her as their first Native American faculty member at the law school. Someone lost a job because of Elizabeth Warren lied. <laughs> Rachel tells all. Now, I, I, we will spend time in the next hour talking about this, but the Dow Jones has fallen 300 points Friday. It's the sixth straight week of declines, the lo- longest losing streak since 2011, since the days of the Obama administration prior to him winning a second term. And conservatives saying, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. He, he won a second term. There are some problems out there Republicans need to address. While the president's polling has rebounded today, and in one poll at least, not in all of them, uh, this tariffs on Mexico thing isn't sitting well with a whole lot of people. Um, real quick, though, I, I just I got to say that, you know, you've now got the the sustained campaign drip, drip, drip of, of folks complaining about the pro-life legislation in Georgia. You know who hadn't said anything about it? Brian Kemp. Uh, there, there's no reason for him to respond. Uh, The fact of the matter is uh, he doesn't care and shouldn't care and you shouldn't care. None of us should care. His voters don't care because they're not really doing it. In fact, I talked to a friend of mine who is a senior person at Disney today who would know. And he said they're all convinced this law is going to get thrown out. They don't see John Roberts siding with conservatives to uphold Georgia's law or Alabama's law. So they can say all of this and totally inoculate themselves from left-wing agitation, knowing nothing's going to happen. And they don't think that you are going to stop visiting the park. So this is a key thing. Remember when the Baptists decided to do the boycott Disney because of the gay pride stuff? No one actually boycotted. So they, they think they're completely invulnerable. They think you're still going to go to the parks. You're still going to go see their movies. So they don't really care. They, they're okay insulting you. They're upset about the left because so many of them are of the left and so many of them live in areas populated by the left. They've got to inoculate themselves, but they're not pulling out of Georgia. They have no expectation of pulling out of Georgia. They think the law will get thrown out. And in fact, this source told me today exactly what I told you yesterday, that if there was a chance they thought the law would have been upheld, Iger would not have said what he said. He would have been more cautious because they're not pulling out of Georgia. They save and make too much money by filming in Georgia and have invested too much in the state to abandon it. That's the reality. When we come back, Hillary Clinton and Facebook, we need to discuss this. I want to talk about Hillary Clinton Facebook. Before I do that, though, can I just talk about Tony Ressler? You, you heard the clip in the um, in the newscast. He was on CNBC. They asked about the Georgia uh, fetal heartbeat legislation, and he talked about how bad it was for business. That they, they've spent 15 years cultivating Hollywood as a business in the state, and uh, they're going to do this to that business. It's just bad for business. He, I bet he said he doesn't want to talk about the morals of it which is an interesting cop-out, um, because what about tobacco? Georgia used to have a ton of tobacco farmers. In fact, had a whole tobacco industry. Brown and Williamson was down in million, uh, middle Georgia. 
Uh, spent a whole lot of time in Georgia cultivating those tobacco farmers and, and the tobacco industry in Georgia, but it was tobacco was causing people to get lung cancer. The way tobacco plants were becoming more and more potent with nicotine and, and causing health problems for people and don't want to talk about the morality of it because it was it really bad for business the way Georgia and the federal government uh, decided to shut down the tobacco industry in Georgia. Uh, let's not talk about the morals. You see, here's the problem. Everything you do in life, if you're a decent human being, you do with some guide to your morality. Now, Tony Ressler can be pro-abortion and, and disagree with the morals of it, but, you know, the values of the state are pro-life. Majority of Georgians are pro-life. Now, not all Georgians, in fact, it's a plurality of Georgians, don't want uh, first trimester regulations on abortion. And the governor and the legislature went beyond what those people wanted. But then they were the elected representatives. We're not a direct democracy. So for him to, to, to blast it as being bad for business, um, I guess he would be okay with Georgia starting a, a huge porn industry. Because, you know, it's, it's business and job creation in Georgia. Um, it, it just it, the whole idea of the, of separating business from morality. One of the problems with American capitalism today, and one of the reasons the left has been so able to amp up the idea of socialism in the country, is because businessmen like Tony Ressler have decided you can separate morals from business when you can't. You're either amoral, immoral, or you're moral, and trying to separate it out and say it's bad for business. You know, the majority of Georgians are vastly more interested in saving lives than in propping up a Hollywood industry. And by the way, politically, it's actually genius. I realize we're not supposed to talk about this, but what if Hollywood does pack up and leave and all of those jobs that were created in Georgia go elsewhere? You know what happens? The state becomes more conservative because all those liberals go back to where they came from. And the state goes back to being even more conservative and less of a swing state. I mean, we're not supposed to talk about the politics of it, but it, I mean, that that's essentially what he's doing. This is bad and, and it's bad for business and shame on the Republicans for doing it. No, I think saving lives, including the lives of the unborn, is a deeply moral, responsible thing to do. And if Hollywood doesn't like it, well, Hollywood can go back to Hollywood. They don't have to be here. And if they do, well, then I'm OK with that. I'm totally OK with that. Uh, he doesn't seem to, he doesn't want to come out and say that though. He doesn't want to try to alienate people any more than he already is. But this idea that you can uh, look at a business issue and say, oh, well, um, to hell with the morality of it, we got to help the business. No, if it's a bad business, you don't do that. It's just a nonsensical idea. Now, let's talk about Hillary Clinton and Facebook. And it's not just Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is attacking Facebook as are Democrats for refusing to delete a video of Nancy Pelosi the big social media platforms know their systems are being manipulated by foreign and domestic actors to sow division, promote extremism, and spread misinformation. But they won't get serious about cleaning up their platforms unless consumers demand it. And we saw why it's so important just last week when Facebook refused to take down a fake video of Nancy Pelosi. It wasn't even a close call. The video is sexist trash. And YouTube took it down, but Facebook kept it up. So let's send a message to Facebook that those who are in Facebook's communities would really like Facebook to pay attention to false and doctored videos before we are flooded with them over the next months. 
You know, the problem here is that Facebook runs a platform that anyone can use. And what Hillary Clinton is doing is urging Facebook to punish people who use their platform if Hillary Clinton and her side don't like it. I mean, look at this tweet of mine today that got taken down by Twitter that Elizabeth Warren's going to introduce the, the Wrecking American Prosperity Under Socialism Act, or Under Marxism Act, the Wampum Act. You, you've actually got progressives say, well, it's clearly racist because it uses a Native American word, and, and that's racism. Now, they're in the minority, but Twitter's algorithm sided with them. People are going to use these platforms. What Hillary Clinton's proposal is a very statist proposal of forcing these companies to perform the role of censors as opposed to having Americans decide things for themselves. If someone's going to be misled by something they see on Facebook, they're going to be misled wherever they see it. You can't make Facebook responsible for what stupid people do on their platform. If you do, they're going to have to shut down their platform. And that's essentially where the Democrats are headed, is shutting down social media platforms unless they tow a leftist line. Was the video doctored? Yes, there, there actually was a video doctored. But you know what? There was another video that wasn't doctored, and the left complained about that as well. They're complaining about Republicans taking Elizabeth Warren. Listen, you've got a video of the governor of Virginia out saying that uh, women should be allowed to give birth to children, keep them comfortable, and then decide whether or not to kill them. And CNN, MSNBC, and, and social media giants are saying, oh, it's not true. No one ever said that. Absolutely ridiculous. Genuinely ridiculous. Um, these social media companies should not be the censors, particularly because many of them do lean left. Uh, they should allow people to regulate themselves and respond in kind and say, no, no, it's doctored. Here's the truth. Let me give you my counterintuitive position on the resurgence of white supremacism in this country. The reason we're seeing the rise of racists again in this country really isn't because of the left-wing theory that, oh, Donald Trump makes these people comfortable. No, 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 no. The reason is because of social media. And the reason they're cropping up now through social media and elsewhere is for a very long time, all of us agreed we got to get rid of them. We've got to shut them up. And as a result, there are always people, this is why Gnostics have always thrived. You, you know, it's very interesting if you go back to the early days of the, the rise of Christianity. While the apostles were all alive through the apostle John, who died in AD 100, um, Eusebius talks about this in his uh, history of the early church. Uh, at first, it was all about spreading the gospel message, the rise of Christianity. And after, the, uh, after John died, Eusebius says very clearly, that the the Christian authors turn to not just apologetics of Christianity, but attacks against heretics. Because once the last of the apostles died, the heretics came in, the Gnostics came in, and the Gnostics claimed there was a secret knowledge that the apostles had kept from everyone. And that if you would sign up and join with the Gnostics, that they would give you that secret truth. And that's essentially what racists have been doing in this country for the last 20 years. You go to dark corners of the internet, and these people say, we've got the truth here. The reason your life is in shambles is because someone of a different race took your job and they were able to do it through all of these elaborate conspiracies. And, and none of it's true. But we haven't been able to see it and we haven't been able to respond to it. And so it's been allowed to fester. And now with social media, it's, it's, it's being able to fester even more. And the response from the left is we've got to censor this. We've got to shut it down. We've got to delete it. All these conspiracies, they need to be gone. 
Well, you're never actually going to get rid of them. What you do, though, is you send them back into dark corners where they can fester even more, where none of us know to respond to them. What we really need to be doing is we need to encourage people to respond to these crazy things. We need to respond to the anti-vax nutters. We need to respond to the racists. We need to respond to the white supremacists. We need to respond to the 9-11 conspiracy theorists, not just say, no, no, this is unacceptable here, ban them from the platform and send them off into some dark recess of the internet where people go in search of them thinking there must be some greater knowledge. We're never going to get rid of the conspiracy theorists and the kooks. But as long as we're not able to respond to them, and you can't when they're not around, when they don't exist, when you can't see them, they're going to continue to fester. We need more sunlight and transparency. And that means Facebook and Twitter and, and the like, they shouldn't be banning people for saying things. Now, that, that's not overly broad because there are some people who do need to be banned for violence and, and things like that. But when you're just out there spreading a doctored video or a selectively edited video of Nancy Pelosi, the left's been doing this as well. Media Matters has existed for years to doctor and edit videos of people on the right to make them look bad and take them out of context. But no one on the left complains about that. You're just emboldening this secular Gnosticism by shutting these people off the internet. And you're making people at Facebook responsible for other people. They're just letting you use their platform. They shouldn't be responsible for you while they're there. While you're there, you should be responsible for yourself. We should not allow you to abdicate to a Fortune 500 company. All right. Have you guys heard of so Salesforce is a is a CRM, a customer relations management system. Uh, major companies use Salesforce's internet platform to keep track of people, do promotions and whatnot. Salesforce is also a highly progressive company. It was headquartered in Indiana. I think they left because uh, Indiana signed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Mike Pence did. Well, now they're basically telling companies that you use Salesforce, they will no longer allow companies that sell or deal in firearms to use Salesforce. And that, by the way, that, that's totally fine. Uh, it is absolutely their right to do that. But the same leadership at Salesforce that says if you sell guns, you can't use Salesforce uh, have given money to legal cause uh, to, to legal arms that help fight Christians who don't want to bake cakes for gay weddings. Um, it, it just absolutely crazy uh and that's what they do uh it's it just 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 crazy um they are willing to do these things uh, and yet they think when christians and conservatives respond in kind it's somehow bad uh it should be what's good for the goose is good for the gander but not with these progressives they don't see it that way Welcome, it is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB this Friday evening. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. The President of the United States unilaterally imposing tariffs on Mexico, sending the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, tanking. Uh, six weeks in a row now, the Dow has seen losses. Uh, investors starting to panic and getting rather aggravated with the President over 
this, and they're not alone. We need to go into some of the dynamics of this uh, because I'm I'm hearing from a number of conservatives who voted for the president in 2016 who are in fact rather mad at the president today, in particular over the tariffs with Mexico. They get the tariffs issue with China to a degree because the Chinese have been imposing tariffs, and even if they think the free market system would work better, um, they get the fight with China. They don't get the escalation of the fight given the rare earth mineral situation, but they get it. There's just a problem in the data for the Republicans right now, and they've got to keep this in mind as they head into 2020. Now, one of the downsides that Republicans have in thinking clearly about this issue is because so many of us, myself included in 2016, did not think the president would win. And in fact, he did lose the popular vote. Uh, he only won by 70,000 votes in three states that Hillary Clinton did not campaign in. But no one wants to listen to anyone anymore uh, saying this, this isn't going to end well for you because so many people did get it wrong. Um, again, though, the president lost the popular vote. We, we need to talk about the implication on tariffs, though, and the impact on the Republican coalition because there's data out there that suggests this is problematic for the GOP. Let me step back for a minute. If you're a longtime listener of this program, you know one of my rules. When I was a political consultant, and I was a political consultant for a number of years, I ran federal campaigns, state campaigns, uh, legislative campaigns, local campaigns. And the thing I always told candidates is know when you're in the minority, even when you think you're right. You can think something, and this is one of the problems of people, particularly today on the left and the right, because so many of you are surrounded with so many other people on social media and in real life who think just like you, you're convinced you're in the majority. And it doesn't matter whether you're a liberal listening right now or a conservative, you think you're in the majority on a host of issues because everyone around you that you know thinks the same thing. And those who don't are in the minority of those. Well, that's one reason we have to try to conduct polling as best we can and other things. So we have a sense of are we in the majority or the minority? Social conservatives in the GOP are in the minority. There are a lot more people who will tell you in the GOP they love Jesus and babies than actually do love Jesus and babies. People lie. You saw this in the pro-life fights around the country and the number of Republicans who, when push came to shove over Alabama, Missouri, Georgia, and elsewhere, came in and said, I just don't think they should actually do this. There are other ways to be pro-life, they would say, than actually banning abortion. And these states, they did it, but notice there hasn't been a big wave of states when Texas hasn't done it, have they? Louisiana just did it, but some of these other states that are Republican, they have it because these Republicans are, aren't actually as stridently socially conservative as they've claimed. And there is a big division within the GOP on social conservatives and fiscal conservatives, and they've always gotten along. And most of the fiscal conservatives, by and large, even if they're personally in favor of abortion rights, understand the government doesn't need to pay for this stuff. And there's been this compromise. We'll give the, we'll give the social conservatives uh, pro-life legislation. We'll let them ban abortion. But in exchange, they're going to reduce government spending. They're going to be fiscally conservative. They're going to support free markets. Well, the president is shaking all of this up. And the question is, can he bring in more people than he loses by this? And the data doesn't seem to suggest that he's going to be able to bring more people over than he already has. And he only won by 70,000 votes. This is a problem we need to explore. I can't tell you the number of people I've heard from, and, and what really got me started is, is one very good friend of mine who is really, really aggravated with the tariff situation. It impacts his business. It impacts his family. You know, a, a, a Mexico doesn't actually pay tariffs. It is a tax on Americans. What happens is your price of buying, just to take a Corona beer, you're, you're, the price of that is going to go up for you. Your GM pickup truck, 
that's manufactured in Mexico is going to be more expensive now. Uh, your medical device, particularly your insulin needles, uh, are going to be more expensive now. Uh, most of these things are imported from Mexico. They're not manufactured in this country. So the price is going to go up. And that's how the tariffs issue is going to be resolved, is you will pay more in consumer prices. And that's why the market has gone down. It also impacts businesses. Take, for example, China. China is the major exporter in the world of rare earth minerals used in electronics. If China decides to restrict the sale of rare earth minerals to the United States, all of your electronic devices, uh, you're going to have a hard time upgrading them for cheap. It's going to be massively expensive to upgrade them. The reason is because environmentalists in this country have worked very hard to keep the United States from mining rare earth minerals because it's e extremely polluting to mine rare earth minerals. China doesn't care. They're a communist country. They don't care if their their uh, citizens die in the process of mining for lithium and, and uh, the, uh, other rare earth minerals and elements. And if China restricts them from here, well, we don't have ready access to get them. That impacts the technology sector. Uh, stock prices will go down. The market will be disrupted. And there are a lot of Republicans out there in retirement who voted for Trump in 2016. And they did so because of Hillary Clinton. Therein lies the problem. Uh, a lot of these free market conservatives who I, I won't say they're they're socially liberal, but they're certainly more moderate than I am on a lot of issues. And they're they're pro-life, but it's not their issue. They don't care if abortion gets banned, but they're not going to go fight for it. They do deeply care about their 401k and they deeply care about business. They deeply care about their jobs. And if prices are going up, they're going to be impacted. And you know who they're not scared of? Joe Biden. They don't like Joe Biden, but they don't think he's going to willfully destroy the economy. And they think that Donald Trump is. Now, you can say that this is really important for you to understand here. I'm trying to explain to you these people's position. So that you understand, these people are part of your coalition. They joined you in 2016 voting for Donald Trump. And you can say, screw them now, but where are you going to get them from? You're already you're already losing the popular vote. The president only needs 70,000 more votes in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin to, to leave him before he's lost the Electoral College. So where are you going to get these people from? You're not going to get them from a lot of black voters or Hispanic voters. You'll get some Hispanics, not a lot. Where else are you going to replace the free market conservatives who say, you know what, I voted for you because you were running against Hillary Clinton. I don't like her. But Joe Biden was vice president for eight years. He was in the Senate. He's not a destabilizing figure. And he'll walk back the tariffs. And the tariffs matter to me because my beer price has gone up. My car price has gone up. My iPhone price has gone up. My computer price has gone up. My flat screen TV price has gone up. And my medical supplies have gone up in price. Mexico is willing to work. And you know what? The president could be an out-of-the-box thinking genius here. He could so scare Mexico that Mexico says we got to cooperate. But what China appears to be doing is what Mexico may do, and that is say, you know what? We're just going to screw with you, Donald Trump, and hurt your economy, and the voters are going to throw you out. And the president needs to think about that. The Republicans need to think about that. This, by the way, is also why Congress should never have given away their Article One, Section 8 power to impose tariffs. It is a congressional power. They abdicated to the president to take this power, and Congress should take it back. No president should be unilaterally allowed to raise taxes on the American public, and that's what a tariff is. It is a tax increase on the American public. But that's what's happening here. Now, you can totally support the president. Listen, I'm not trying to talk you out of this. I'm trying to explain to you the parameters in which you are in. 
You can totally support the president. You can totally support the tariffs. You can totally support raising taxes to pay for immigration. You can totally support the trade war with China. You can totally support that. And that's fine. A lot of President Trump supporters do. But what you need to understand in 2016 is he lost the popular vote. He won by 70,000 votes in those three states. Those three states will be deeply impacted negatively by the tariffs imposed on Mexico, let alone on China. In 2018, they turned out at presidential level. And many of the people who voted for Donald Trump in 2016 went Democrat in 2018. And you've got to hope that Elizabeth Warren or Cory Booker or Pete Buttigieg or uh, Kamala Harris is the nominee in 2020 because those people will scare these Republicans to vote for Donald Trump. But they're not scared of Joe Biden. And if he's the Democratic nominee, even the president knows he's got problems and he's exacerbating the problems with this trade war and tariff imposition. Now, let us go to the phones. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Dave and coming. You are going to be first tonight. Welcome. Hey, man, Eric. How you doing? Good. How are you? Doing real good. I'm a big fan, Eric. You, you, you do all the research and uh, a lot of stuff that I guess a typical person just doesn't have time to do. And it, uh, it's great to hear you talk all the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, listen, uh, you're talking about the uh, old report, and you're saying the steel dossier was debunked, and I kind of missed of the, the beginning of that. And I was wondering, the FISA uh, documents or the uh, steel report was the basis of the FISA documents. The FISA documents started the whole, uh, you know, collusion uh, Trump investigation, and I'm I'm kind of confused as to why those are not as important. Yeah, Comey signed off on them and the whole shoot match. Okay. Right? Um, so I long thought that as well, Dave. Um, I, I actually did. If if the dossier was debunked, doesn't that discredit the entire investigation? Except there's a problem I didn't know until reading the Mueller report. That's not actually true. The uh, Paul Manafort and Carter Page uh, were being probed before the Steele dossier. Uh, and then being tied into the Trump campaign and then getting independent signal intelligence about the Russians. Uh, let me explain this when I come back, because it's actually a fascinating story here on how much so much of what we know turned out not to be true. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson, News 95.5 AM 750, WSB, the phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. So Dave called and said something I've heard from uh, billions of people, including myself. If the Mueller report found the Steele dossier to be full of fraudulent BS... Doesn't that undermine the entire investigation? No. I thought that myself. Um, having read the Mueller report, though, here, here are the problems with that theory. When did the Steele dossier begin? The Steele dossier began in early 2016. Um, it, it started originally an operation of Republicans 
as opposition research for Donald Trump, and it was not then considered the Steele dossier. It was just a, a collection of opposition research information. Republicans had begun to compile. Uh, when Donald Trump, uh, it looked like he was going to become the nominee in March, April of 2016, it was passed off to some Democratic, uh, sympathetic Democrats, and a, it became the Steele dossier through Fusion GPS. The problem is, well, let me just read you, for example, um, from the Carter Page uh, section, uh, volume one, page 95 of the Mueller report. Uh, Russian intelligence officials had formed relationships with Page in 2008 and 2013, and Russian officials may have focused on Page in 2016 because of his affiliation with the campaign. Now, there's a relevant section I feel compelled to read right after this. It says, however, the investigation did not establish that Page coordinated with the Russian government in its efforts to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. Uh, before he began working for the campaign in, in January 2016, Page had substantial prior experience studying Russian policy issues and living and working in Moscow. From 2004 to 2007, Page was the deputy branch manager of Merrill Lynch's uh, Moscow office, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here's the problem. Um, and there's, let, let me read this. In 2013, Viktor Podobnia Another Russian intelligence officer working covertly in the United States under diplomatic cover formed a relationship with Page. So here's the problem. You, you, you need to understand the timeline here to, to make it make sense. We had signal and human intelligence completely separate from that existed prior to the Steele dossier showing the Russians were planning on doing something in our election. Everyone looked around and the FBI and the CIA saying, what, 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 what's going on here? And they saw Carter Page and Paul Manafort, who were already being investigated. That's what everyone is missing here. Manafort and Page were already being investigated. No one ever told Donald Trump this. And the Mueller report points out Donald Trump had no idea about any of this. But Page and Manafort had ties to Trump. They had ties to the Russians. They were already being looked at by the Russians or by, by the FBI, the CIA uh, for those ties. And they're like, hmm, are these guys trying to get on a presidential campaign? Nah, they couldn't be. Trump has no chance. That's basically what there were. But the rumors kept cropping up. The signal intelligence kept cropping up and it became very clear that, yeah, something's going on here. And they looked at Page and they were looked at Manafort. And then the Steele dossier showed up with Christopher Steele's information, but they were already looking into the Russian interference before that. They already had sig existing signal intelligence and human intelligence of Russian interference, and they were already looking at Manafort and, and Page before Steele ever showed up. So uh, you got to keep in mind again, and this is the thing that I keep, keep beating into you as much as I can, lovingly beating into you. It is a, a substantial fact separate, devoid of, distant from, separated from the Steele dossier, that the government had intelligence the Russians were trying to interfere in the election. And that is the key takeaway from the Mueller report. It's not obstruction of justice. It's not the Trump campaign collaborating with Russians. In fact, the, the Mueller report debunks the Steele dossier. 
What is very important that we all need to keep in mind is that it is clear the Russians wanted to interfere in the election and they were successful. They got all of us yelling at each other, which is what they wanted to do. It wasn't that they wanted to get Donald Trump elected. That's what the Steele dossier claimed, and that's been debunked by Mueller. What it was is that they wanted us all fighting with each other and ignoring what Russia was doing elsewhere in the world, and that's exactly what they got. Now, by the way, you know, this this is why yesterday I said the Steele dossier is as poisonous as it is to both Republicans and Democrats, because it has allowed the Steele dossier has allowed the Democrats to fixate on the idea that Donald Trump collaborated with the Russians, that they had blackmail on him and that he collaborated with them. And the Mueller report completely debunks that. It's also poisonous to the Republicans because Republicans are now convinced that this entire Russia investigation began because of the Christopher Steele dossier, and that is not true either. So Republicans are throwing up smoke smoke screens all over the place saying, hey, all of this is discredited because the Steele dossier was discredited, but that's not true. They had signal and human intelligence not related to the Steele dossier that the Russians were trying to interfere And that was what the FBI was investigating when the president fired James Comey. The the Steele dossiers, the most relevant way that the Steele dossier affected anything in the Trump world is that the president fired James Comey because James Comey would not come out and publicly discredit everything in the Steele dossier. And then he went on TV and said it was over the Russia investigation. That's why he fired James Comey. And that directly is the, the direct reason that Bob Mueller was hired, that the Steele dossier got in the president's head. He was desperate for it to be debunked. And, and you can't blame him. This is something I think a lot of people miss. You can't really blame the president for that because the Democrats were trying to completely undermine the credibility of his win, a win that no one thought he could win. He won. And the Democrats were, well, he didn't really do it. The Russians did it for him. And that's simply not true. So, of course, he wanted it done. Of course, he wanted the FBI to discredit it. And it pains me to say anything good about James Kilmey because I really don't like the guy and think he he's, he was a bad actor in all this. But he was right when he told the president that you should not have us do this because it will make it look like you're being investigated when we're not investigating you. It was then when the president let that fester a little more, he told Comey, I want you to come out and tell people I'm not being investigated, that Comey refused to do that as well, and the president fired him. Comey should have done that because the president was never under investigation. He's never been under investigation, and all of that actually caused him to become under investigation in the Mueller report. And that's why the Steele dossier is such a a poisonous, ruinous thing for both parties. It's allowed both sides to believe things that aren't true and distract them from the thing that is true, that the Russians really want us fighting with each other and totally ignoring them as they rebuild strength in the East. Oh, hello there. I, you know, I don't want to weigh in very much on the anti-liberal fight. For those of you who keep up on, on social media conservatism and whatnot, there, there's this fight brewing over those who think that essentially uh, we must, in the culture war, go for all-out victory over the left and win the culture war and then reshape the public order for the good of, of everyone. 
uh, and those who think the culture war can never be won. Now, I, I don't think the culture war will ever be won, and the reason I don't think it'll ever be won is because people are stupid and people are fickle. Uh, they'll change their mind. There's no such thing as a permanent political majority. And, and the other side is saying that we need to create a permanent political majority. The problem with that is that, as Solzhenitsyn pointed out in the Soviet Union, uh, that if you think there can be an absolute all-time winner, then you have to impose totalitarianism uh, to keep the other side from ever having a shot at winning again. And I don't want that. Um, but really, ultimately, here's my key takeaway for you as you head into the weekend. Uh, the culture war we're fighting right now is a spiritual fight. It's not a cultural fight. There's a problem with the things unseen, and that's why there will be no winners till the last day. <laughs> <laughs> 